a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're going to shift gears now just a little bit. Uh, we're going to shift big gears, actually. We're going to go all the way to China for uh, for this gear. And uh want to start uh, with what happened uh, just a few days ago on the floor of the United States Senate. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, talking about uh, the role of China and how America needed to be able to compete. I think you know the news of the day. Think again. But the premise is simple. If we want American workers and American companies to keep leading the world, the federal government must invest in science, basic research, and innovation, just as we did decades after the Second World War. So the United States Senate uh, passed a bill that would uh, proposedly focus on America having that technological edge uh, to compete with China. And so we want to shift and, and take a look at what really was in there what does it mean and what should we be focused on moving forward and nobody does that better than miles hansen president and ceo of world trade center utah uh, miles thanks for jumping in with us today boy it is always it's a lot of fun to be on the show <laughs> all right uh, so as you look at this bill uh, endless frontier act uh some criticism uh passed the senate on a 68 32 vote that's about as big as it gets in the senate these days uh, but as you look at that, uh, what's in there that you like? What's in there that gives you some pause? You know, Boyd, I think first and foremost, we all should be happy that, that Congress, at least Senate, is coming together to get something done. I mean, this is a, a rare issue that has bipartisan support, which gives me some confidence on these other big, sticky issues that our country faces, that just perhaps we can get people to come together from both sides on the aisle. In this bill in particular, you know, this is a big, complex issue. We've talked a lot about China's global competition that we find ourselves in with China on military, political, and economic issues. This bill really focuses in on, on the economic issues, and it's significant because this is the most important piece of legislation that's working its way through the system on industrial policy in decades. Mm. And what's in this bill is that there's a lot of government spending, $250 billion about, um, that is focused in on helping the United States have it increase its technological and industrial capacity in this competition with China. And because it's so big, it's a lot of government spending. I think your question is spot on. We do need to ask ourselves, what is appropriate? And is there anything in here that should give us pause as we think about the government spending that comes along with a bill like this? Yeah. So th- this has been such an interesting thing. We had uh, Philip Rossetti on from R Street Institute uh, and just talking about how sometimes when government spends money on things, it actually reduces innovation. It it reduces R&D in the private sector. Uh, and I think as we 
as we look at China in particular, we, we know we have to compete. We know that's going to be a challenge. Uh, are there areas in this where you can say, OK, that's a really good area for government to invest uh, as opposed to what the private sector ought to be doing on its own? Yeah, you know, yeah, I happen to, to listen to the segment with Philip and agree 100 percent. In this bill, the vast majority is going towards basic or fundamental research. So these are dollars that go to universities, to the national labs, to do this really early-stage innovative work in areas like quantum computing, artificial intelligence, robotics, you know, 5G and the next generation beyond that of, of, of how we communicate around the world. All of that feels appropriate to me. You know, this is stuff that the private sector is very, very difficult to, to, to monetize and make money and commercialize. And so that's spending that should go towards our universities and national labs. And if, by the way, if we look at the innovations that have come from the United States over many decades, many of those have their start in a national lab or a university. So that feels very, very, very good and, and appropriate to me. These are areas where we are behind in the competition with China. And so these are areas where we have an opportunity now with this, with this additional funding to catch up. Yeah, it's uh, so important. And I thought it was interesting, too. Uh, that on the world stage today, President Biden, uh, in talking about this uh, massive purchase of vaccines to be distributed to 100 different countries uh, from the United States. And and I was pleased that he he praised American workers and innovators uh, for for making this happen. And and yet it also gave me the same kind of pause of, wait a minute, we're I think we're funding all of this again. We're going to do the hard work and heavy lifting of the R&D, and then we're going to pay for the vaccines and the distribution. And is if if we're the ones always doing all of this, can we still invest in the right things that will help us compete yeah. with places like China? Yep, that's exactly right. We have to be very, very smart with the funding decisions that we're making. Obviously, over the past year, 18 months or so, we have spent more money as a government than we ever have in the history of our country. And I think that at a certain point, there's going to be a reckoning. So we have to be very careful where where we're spending money. When it comes to this competition with China, it is so significant. This is going to be the competition that defines the century. Mm-hmm. And so these are investments we're making from the public, right? We're the, we're the ones paying the taxes on this. That will help us remain competitive, which will help our companies compete and win in markets around the world against our Chinese competitors. And so I feel good about the spending here. There is one piece of funding that I think is important. Uh, I think it's appropriate in this case, but there's a slippery slope. And in the bill, there's about $50 billion that will go to subsidized semiconductor production here in the United States. And so these are pretty direct subsidies, which is something as a country that we have stayed away from by and large. I think in this case, it's appropriate because we have a chip shortage. And China has been working very hard to undercut through subsidies manufacturers of semiconductors in other countries. And if that were to continue, what we would see is a growing dependence on China for semiconductors, which, of course, are needed in virtually every product today. And so here's $50 billion that will go to help bolster our domestic manufacturing base of semiconductors, which I think is very important, although I would be cautious that my guess is what we're going to see is other industries looking to get a similar handout and if we allow things to slip too far, what we're going to find is far more government intervention in our economy than what we've traditionally had. And in this competition with China, our greatest strength is the strength of our private sector that needs to be competitive, just like Philip was talking about on your show a little while ago. And so in this case, I think it's appropriate. But in future iterations of bills like this, 
I would be wary of uh, slipping down uh, what appears to me a pretty slippery slope. Yeah, that is a very slippery slope and uh, great insight as always. Miles Hansen, President and CEO of World Trade Center Utah. And uh, I want to have you come back because I want to get to the China component of this and how it actually impacts all of us here in the state of Utah and the economy and many of the projects that uh, you all are working on uh, over at World Trade Center Utah. But Miles Hansen, I always appreciate your perspective on this critical issue. Thank you, Boyd. And most importantly, go Jazz. Go Jazz. That is, uh, we've defined this just so you know, Miles, in case you missed it. Uh, with all the redefinition of what infrastructure is and is not, I have determined 100% that the Jazz winning is infrastructure. So, yeah, that's exactly right. Support. And we're all praying we're all praying for rain and we all need to pray for Mike Connolly's hamstring as well. <laughs> there we go. Fantastic. Miles Hansen from World Trade Center, Utah, joining us there. Uh, great insight and so important, man, investments that we need to make to catch up. Uh very important role for the federal government. As Miles rightly pointed out, slippery slope. We gotta be careful that we maintain our edge and our focus because that is our ultimate advantage. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.